following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. So, we are in this place. It's called Brahms. I don't know if you've ever been to Brahms. Brahms is this little chain. They're not a very big chain, but there's a few around here. They have really good ice cream. And everybody's like, now, now I want church to be over so we can go to Brahms and get some ice cream. But we were there, and I was there with my Uncle Larry. Uncle Larry's with Jesus right now. He's no longer here, but, but, but we're talking, and, you know, and at that time, this has been many, many years ago, and, and I, you know, I was, a bit of a, I was a bit of a young punk. Some people would say still am, but I was a bit of a young punk, and I was just like, you know, really out there with my faith, a little too much. And you're like, well, what, what, did it ever get less? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a little bit. But the idea is I wasn't very f- gentle. I'd be like in people's faces. And, and I was like, you know, I was like, and that's why we believe. We're in line getting ice cream. I'm like, and that's why we believe in the resurrection of the dead, you know. And, and Uncle Larry's like, Mark, dead people don't come out of the grave. Quit. And I'm like, I thought. But I'm like, I thought you believed. And he's like, well, I believe in God and all that stuff, but I don't believe in resurrection. I'm like, but, but how can someone not believe in resurrection? He's like, because dead people don't come out of the grave. It's never happened. And I was just like, you know, it's just like one of those moments in the movie where the, they do the parallax zoom where you're just like. And it just echoed in me. And, and I was just like, but I thought he believed. And, and I'm like, and, you know, and I just, it was just, it, it was kind of a devastating moment for me. And so, you know, over the weeks and months that followed, I was like, but I need to prove this to him. You know, so I got all the books and I got all the evidence and I got all the, you know, I got all the videotapes. No, I didn't. And, you know, and I was looking for him and I wanted to give him all the proof. And the only proof that there is is people who say they saw him. That's all we got. Now, there's a little more you can put with that, like the fact that all of those people who say they saw him were threatened to the point of death and even eventually to death, all of them but one, as best as we can tell. And they never relented. And you might be saying, well, yeah, but people will fly airplanes into buildings for their faith. But yeah, but this isn't about faith. They saw. You and I might do that on faith, but they saw. And if it was a lie, they would have known it was a lie. And I would be very hard-pressed to find someone who went to their death over a lie. History bears out a very different ending, if that's the case. So the question then, I was just like, there's no proof. I want to prove it to my Uncle Larry. And so, and so I began to pray. I was like, Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know, what to, how to, I don't know how to bring this up to him. You know, I was just like, pray. And so yeah, I didn't know what to do. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't trained in those days because I only went to seminary a few years ago. And so I wasn't trained. I didn't know what to do. And I read all these books and everything, and I was praying. And then he lived like on the other side of the continent, and so we didn't get to see each other that often. And then one time, boom, my Aunt Peggy, his sister, she gets very ill. And so he gets on the plane, he and his family, they fly here. And they, and they come in here and we're all in the, in the room, and it's becoming clear Aunt Peggy's days are days, not much more than that. And we're standing there. And I was overcome with emotion. I was like, Uncle Larry, you got to believe. you got to believe in the resurrection, because if you don't, then when she dies, that's it. There's nothing. And then we can't put our hopes in some kind of floaty heaven place. We've we got to get people coming out of the grave. And if they don't come out of the grave, then what in the world is there in life? 
What value is there? Aren't we just cans of soda fizzing on the table and when we're fizzed out, it's done? And he was just like, he's off the throttle, big fella. And so I pulled out, you know, the best book I could find. It was The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Really good book if you've never read it. And I was like, read this, read this, read this. Because it's like, you know, Lee tells his story of he was an atheist. He didn't believe and he went and interviewed all the people who studied all the evidence. And it's a compelling argument. But even then, what my uncle needed was the gift of faith. So my Aunt Peggy died. And that was tough, right? And so then, and we go through all that, and you do all the things that people do when they die. You know, we had another one of those this past week in our family. And you go through all those things, and, and you get to the point where you're like, okay, now we have to move on with life. How do you do that? How do you move on with life if there really isn't life? Because guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. I agree with the Apostle Paul. If you get 70 or 80 years, and that's considered a good long life, what a terrible, cruel joke that is. And then we get this kind of, if you'll allow the strong language that I'm not going to say, but I'm going to invoke you to think about, the hogwash that, 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 that's a theological term, by the way, the hogwash that death is a natural part of life. Oh, what a lie. What a bunch of hogwash. Because if you start to think that way, and there was a famous Christian author and, and, and you know, her name, Rachel Evans, Rachel Held Evans, very great speaker and all these things. She passed away. She's very young and unexpected just this week, uh, two days ago, I believe. Everybody's like, oh, and her words were, it's just a natural part of life. I'm like, no. Now, I know what stands behind that. They're trying to say, look, it happens to everybody. We need to learn how to go through it. And, I, and that's fine. That's true. We've got to learn how to grieve. But if there's no resurrection from the dead, as Paul says, then we are to be pitied more than all people. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. Nope, I don't want to play. No playing. No, we got to go to the truth. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. Everybody's like, well, it already is. And so is our faith. And sometimes I can tell you that you're kind of like, well, how does this work? How does it work? Right? I'm always the one who wants to know how does it work. And it works this way. We tell the story. We keep telling the story. Yes, Paul and John and Peter and all the ladies that were there and all the other people, more than 500 of them, saw Jesus alive after he'd been in the tomb for three days. They saw him. They ate dinner with him. He ate with them so that he, he, they would know he wasn't a phantom or a ghost or whatever. And, and all of those things happened. They saw him and then they told people who told people who told people who told people. You know, people, somebody said to me that not long ago, they're like, you know what I don't like about Christianity? You're going to have to kind of become a Bible scholar to even know what's going on. No, you don't. A man rose from the dead or he didn't. That's it. That's it. He walked out of the grave or he didn't. No scholarship needed. It's a binary proposition. Yes or no. One or zero. True or false. Take a look at verse 17 and 18. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you, still, and you are still in your sins. This is not about the Borg. And you are still in your sins and also those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If we don't believe in the resurrection, then there's nothing to believe in. This is nothing. And this is kind of like, you know, I had a buddy of mine. He's like, why are you so 
amped about this. Like, this is like your thing. And I'm like, it's kind of the thing. He's like, yeah, but isn't religion just about being good people? And I'm like, no, because no one's good people. I don't know if you've ever checked that out. Have you been good your whole life every day? I haven't. And if you think you have, then you're in trouble because then you're the one who's deceived. See, if religion is about people being good, that doesn't do anything. I mean, yeah, maybe they don't. Maybe people cheat on their taxes one or two fewer times or you know, all these kinds of things, but it doesn't really change the world. I mean, yeah, give somebody food or money when they need it. That helps a little bit. But guys, we're talking about dead people being made alive, not good, bad people being made good. Because when you have dead people being made alive, then that starts to change the world. That starts to do everything, and we have hope for those who are gone. That's not the end. So my Uncle Don, another uncle, passed away this past week, and um, I was in Iowa, and we were standing at the graveside, and I was there with my, my Aunt Donna, and, and the wind began to blow. And you know, in the Bible, in the original text, both in the Greek and the New Testament, Hebrew and the Old Testament, the wind, the word for wind, is the same word used for spirit. And Jesus picks up on this in John chapter 3. For those of you who want to go look that up, it's outstanding. But the point of it is this. I, I said, you know, what's interesting, I find it, I've, I'm at the graveside a lot. Because in a pastor's role, that's one of the places that my job takes me. And what I have found is I've never been there when it's just still. I've never been at the graveside when there's no wind at all. Never been there. I'll have no wind on my front porch. I'll have no wind sometimes standing out here. But when I'm at the gravesite, the wind is always blowing. Check it next time you're there. See if I'm right. Because it is. And I told her, I said, that's because the Spirit is whispering to you that this is not the end. This is not the end. We have hope. We have hope. And my job today is to proclaim that to you, that you would believe the hope. Believe the story. It's true. It is the only thing that's true, ultimately. The only thing that matters. Because, see, here's the thing. Let's say you live your life, and you're like, one of the, you're like a normal, you know, like whatever. It's average. I don't know what average is, but it's, you know, it's what average is, right? 2.4 kids or something like that. That's average. So you're, you're like having your average, and then you have your average life, and then you die. That's definitely average. In fact, that's more than average. That's 100%. Well, then what happened? Like, you know, I've heard, I've heard, you know, we mentioned the Borg. I've heard the Star Trek, the humanist argument, right? Which is just like, well, we want to contribute and make humanity better. I mean, just look at history. Has humanity gotten a lot better? We thought it was. We were like, oh, wow. We had like, you know, we had Middle Ages, and then we had the Reformation, and the Renaissance, and then the Enlightenment, and that's, oh, look at all this progress. And then the 20th century happened. 30 billion people slaughtered. Good job, guys. Great progress. What a lie. There's no progress. There's no making humanity better. Humanity stays the same, broken and, and bent in on itself. And if you ever think it's not, just look in the mirror. Watch how that works. Because when I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, God, am I looking that bad? See, I'm only thinking about myself. The truth. Oh, Romans 15, verse 19, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. Every book is Romans to me. And so, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all people. Guys, this life is not all there is. That's, that's what we're here to talk about. God's story revealed to us in and through His Son Jesus is that He is making a perfect world. 
And he made a world where people had freedom, and they used that freedom to spit in his face. And that's the sad story. That's the, that's the part we're in right now. But at the same time, God doesn't make robots. He makes people. And so he's like, I love you anyway. And so then he seeks and he pursues us, and he wants to get rid of all the evil. But the problem is, is that the evil is not only out there, it's in here, like in this body, it, there's evil. And so what he's doing is he's got this plan where he takes the evil out in order to save the people that he loves and not lose anyone. That's his goal. And he accomplishes this goal by sending himself to, with, to take all the wrath and the righteousness the, 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 what, the wrath that righteousness demands upon himself so that you and I would be free and healed and made holy and pure. Not by anything that you and I would do, but by everything he has done. Verse 20. Can we read this together, please? But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, the word first fruits, I could go on all day, and part of me wants to, and everybody's like, that's when your preaching would be useless, Mark. But here's the thing. We won't go all day. We'll just go a couple minutes, but here's the thing. First fruits is just like, it's one of the, it's like, it's like if you ever, you, you guys get on the internet sometimes, you're browsing websites, you're like clicking, right, clicking, and um, every once in a while, you'll see a word that is highlighted, and you can click the word, and it'll take you to a whole other thing. That's what first fruits is in the Bible. It's a hyperlink. It's a big one. And I, I could go on all day, as I've warned you that I might, but I won't. And that is, I want you to know that I mean, you could go to Leviticus 23. You could go to like almost every psalm in the Bible. You could go to the book of Isaiah. You could go to all these places where the story is God is interested in first fruits. And you can even see the schedule of when Jesus went to Jerusalem and when he died on the cross and the day that he rose again was the feast of first fruits and it's just all these things that are these layers of the story that bring this shared vocabulary of he is pursuing you and me no matter what it takes Christ is the first fruits from the dead and, he, and even if you didn't know any of those things you'd know this he's the first one to do it the first one to rise from the dead and he's not the last just as Christ has risen from the dead, so shall you rise from the dead. And a lot of people are like, but Mark, I thought when we die, we just float away to heaven and everything's fine. Uh-uh, no. When you die, you, you, your, your body is broken in two. In, you know, we, we are made up of a body, a soul, and a spirit. And the soul and spirit go to be with Jesus. And that doesn't, we don't understand that. There's, it's a mess. It's very much, it's, we, but it's okay. We're safe. We're at rest with Christ. That's about all we know. Paul says it, he goes, hey, I would love to depart, depart and be with Christ. But then he talks about everyone else who has gone as those who have fallen asleep. Because that's not the end of the story. There is coming a day when everybody's going to wake up. Everybody. And he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who believe that Jesus rose from the dead will rise first. Not those who are good people. Not those who, whatever, fill in the blank, what kind of religious definition you want to go with. The scriptures say those who believe in Jesus will rise again and they will come out of the ground. So like in the case of my Uncle Don, he was cremated because he was being buried in a, in a military cemetery because he had a tremendous service for his country, and we thank him and all who serve, for our, who serve our country. But the idea is they cremated. So what's going to happen with it? Well, God's going to handle that. 
Because guess what? Those who were buried fully, but they were buried like a thousand years ago, they're the same state, right? They're just, there's dust, there's molecules maybe, we don't even know. God's going to bring them back together and rise them up and they're going to come out of the ground and meet the Lord in the air. That's what it says. That's the story. And I'm audacious enough to believe it and to invite you to do the same. And then, those who don't believe in Christ will also be raised. And that's another story for another day. Let's just say that doesn't, that doesn't work too well. People who don't want to be with God won't be with God. That's pretty much where that's at. But if you desire what he has to offer, which is everything, it's life, this is what will happen. Christ, the first fruits, who has been raised, the first of those who have fallen asleep. Verses 21 and 22. How does this work? Well, death came through a man. His name is Adam. And the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. His name is Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Now here's what's really interesting. If we were to sneak over to John chapter 5, and don't worry, you don't have to turn there, but I'll just, I'll just summarize. In John chapter 5, there's all these people really mad at Jesus because he was like talking as if he was God, and they were really mad about that, that you know, he was, and he proved it by rising from the dead. But they're talking to him, and they're like, you know, but we don't, you know, they're just, blah, blah, blah. you know, re- religious people argue. I don't know if you noticed that. They were doing that. They were arguing. And Jesus is like, I'll tell you what, whoever hears my voice has already moved from death to life. Did you guys catch that? Whoever hears my voice, Jesus says, has already moved from death to life. So that's like when we start talking about, well, when someone dies, then they go to be to heaven. You're already there. And I know you're like, Mark, you have not seen what I have to deal with at work. You have not seen what's going on at school. You, I, I'm not in heaven yet. Guys, trust me. No, don't trust me. Trust the Bible. This is what's going on. When, when he says, in Christ, all will be made alive, that's already gone. And I know we don't feel it. I know we don't experience This is this strange paradox of God's word is he's like yeah we know it's not yet it's only in part but that's so you can know and trust him that no matter what happens he is with you Ephesians chapter 2 says you know what happened with Jesus and the whole cross and the empty tomb and he says that means we were seated with him in the heavenly realms and seated with him carries this idea that we're given authority now I know some people like use that authority like weird like, they're like, I command you in the name of Jesus to, like, give me a Ferrari or something like that. And I get all that. As all that stuff goes on. We don't need to be silly. But when stuff comes at you, you can say, look, I, devil, you can't talk to me because Jesus saved me. It's that simple. So get out. And he will. When you feel broken and you don't have any hope, that's when you cry out the name of Jesus because you have authority to do so. You're one of his children brought into his family by his blood. Not by your actions or lack thereof, but by his. Take a look at verses 25 and 26. And this is the part that we take away from our time here today. He says, For he must reign, that is Jesus, must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Why does Jesus wait? Because I'm like, there have been several days, even this past week, where I said, now would be a really good time, Jesus. Now. 
And he's like, actually, Mark, I know you feel like you got a little authority, but I'm actually in charge. So he's like, I'm going to wait, and I'm right. Because guess what? The reason he waits is because there are so many people who don't know, and he wants them to come home as well. And he will work amazingly through y'all and myself together to share that story, to keep telling the story, to say, would you believe there is a man that came out of the tomb? His name is Jesus, and he did it for you. Please pray with me. Father, we ask you right now to give us the hope of the resurrection. And I pray that you would help us see that it is not a complex theological construct. It is a simple fact. It happened or it didn't. And I pray that you would help us believe that it did. Not because of what a good preacher might say or a fancy, beautiful Bible might be eloquently proclaiming, but because it's true and your Spirit reveals it to us. And so I boldly pray in front of all of heaven and earth that your Spirit would reveal that truth to us and strengthen us in it when we have doubts and when we're frustrated and broken to believe it again and again and again. And we pray this because of Jesus who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.